The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love. Like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. Welcome to the latest edition of the Shrieking Alarm podcast. Uh, this is not Pierce. This is Caroline. Um, and today I have just one guest with me, but it's one that we all know and love. Paul, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. That, I mean, it was a big week. We had National Signing Day this week. Um, so let's just start there. What is your overall take of the 19? 20? How many? We are how many now at 21 as of, as of time of recording. Uh, so the, the the signing, what we call signing day, is actually a signing period. So they can run anywhere from 7 a.m. Wednesday uh, through 11:59 p.m. or essentially midnight Friday. Um, and actually, just just a little bit before we jumped on on to record here, um, UVA picked up its 21st signee, Mr. Kareem Al Sufi, an offensive lineman from Germany. Um, he was one of two German commits in the class and so far the only one of them to sign. Uh, I think some, some of the wrinkles between uh, German and American educational system, just kind of hanging things up for the other one, but no reason to think that Luke Wentz, the, the dual threat quarterback from Germany won't be able to join the class by the spring. Um, this is another really, really strong class and, and evidence of an upward trend for Virginia. That's, that's really the thing I was, I was just looking at the last um, three or four classes, essentially the, the Mendenhall recruiting era. Um, yeah. And what really strikes me is that what I said last year that I liked about the class was that it was, it didn't have some of the top end talent that, that really brings a class up, but it was all very solid. The lowest rated guy in the class was an 81 on the 24 seven composite. The lowest rated guy was a mm-hmm. three star. Um, and that was something that hadn't been the case for a very long time beforehand, that even the classes that had the Andrew Browns, the Quinn Blandings at the top, there was a pretty sharp drop off. You'd have one or two of those top guys and then a couple of guys that could be rotation players. And then after that, it, it just, the talent level wasn't at an ACC level. It really is this year. Um, yeah. the, the lowest rated guys in 82 this year. So it's, it's just by that metric alone, the class took a step forward and then you throw in a major increase in the top level talent, the highest rated recruit that Mendenhall has signed at Virginia in, in defensive lineman, Juwan Briggs. Ooh, so um, excited. Yeah. Um. Uh, this is, so this is for everything that, that we've, you know, we've talked about on the podcast of seeing progress, everything that the numbers say of, you know, being at seven wins going into the bowl game, being progress, um, you know, standing in the ACC being progress. Yeah. That is now ma- meshing with what UVA can get on the recruiting trail. Just um, for reference sake, like for listeners, myself a little bit, when you look at this past season, who are some of those guys 
that people would had a big play big impact on the field um sure. so like some of those guys come in just so people know like when you look yeah. at how important and like what Mendenhall is building who are some of the guys that stood out to you this year and who in this class do you think will be like you mentioned Juwan Briggs and we can talk about him forever as far as I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to do that he's incredible um but just kind of just so for reference point like how many of the guys played like do you think that trend's going to continue and we'll see more first years play? What do you, what's your take on that whole situation? Yeah, so I, the good thing was there weren't as many this year. And, and Mendenhall talked about this a little bit in his, his press conference at the end of, end of the day Wednesday that um, they played 17 true freshmen, I think, in 2017. They were the, the four, that was the fourth most in all of college football. Um, and while it was still a young roster this past season, it was young because there were so many sophomores playing and redshirt freshmen playing yeah. as many true freshmen. Um, but a couple of guys from, from last year's class that really stood out as making an impact to me, uh, Aaron Falmui on the defensive line, yeah. especially as defensive line depth became a problem. Uh, Jordan Redmond, uh, the, the, especially early in the season, uh, really holding down the nose tackle spot also there on the defensive line. Uh, and then the one that was sort of the most obvious impact player was Tavares Kelly. Yeah. Um, on on special teams on a couple of really good deep passes to stretch stretch defenses um and you saw what you could do with the ball in his hands even catching the ball underneath so um you know those were of of the guys coming there their first year out of high school um though and brennan armstrong that's that's the other thing is that you know he only had to play in spots thank god um but he showed the <laughs> know, right of why you want it why he's on the roster what he's what he might do for the next couple of years uh after you know if, if it's spot hopefully next year maybe there are some blowouts in a good way that per, they can take perkins off the field for some some time take some blows off his body and get armstrong more of that run now that you're not having to worry about his his red shirt stand on um so those are the guys from last year's class um that in a way they're not being very many big impact true freshmen from last year's class is an indication of the 2017 class being a little bit of a step forward um, yeah. and as well as the graduate transfers helping, helping get the roster more steady so you can play more experienced players. So who, so let's just talk about who, which guys stand out to you mentioned Briggs. Do you think that this class, other than just the ratings and all that stuff that we read about the numbers and that sort of thing, do you think this class is a success and what, who, who are three guys that you like the most and why? Yeah, there's, I mean, I, no question this class counts as a success. It's got the positional balance, um, you know, back, I think it was 20, summer of 2017. Um, I wrote a piece on sort of breaking down what Virginia needed to have in terms of positional balance. And then in terms of talent level every year. Yeah. And I set, set the target at, uh, an 86 rating on the 24-7 composite, you need at least seven or eight of those guys in a class. Uh, and as it stands right now, we've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of those. Yeah. Um, and if you change that to an 85 rating, uh, an 85 generally equates to about one of the top thousand players nationally. Gosh, um, so mind blowing to me. I love like coding is just one of those things that I'm like, this is incredible. How people keep track of this stuff. Anyway, right? I mean, there are there are <laughs> what, 129 FBS teams, um, each of which is allowed to have up to 85 scholarship players. Yeah. 
So you, you know, you start playing those numbers out and it gets real big, real fast. Yeah. Um, so a national top thousand player about an 85 rating on 24 seven, um, Virginia has 11 of those in these class. And, and the, like I said, the positional balance is there as well as some focus on the defensive line, uh, that, that there's some immediate help coming for that depth in terms of individual guys from the class that stand out. It's gotta be Juwan Briggs. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, he is literally almost in a, a class unto himself yeah. uh, in terms of talking about Virginia's 2019 class. I'm so excited about this kid. You, I mean, no one else can see me listening, but like, I, I think about it, like I in this like I'm grinning like an idiot every time I think about the like this just because the way he's described and if you haven't seen it yet it's been on Twitter here and there but like the kid is just talented in general and the type of guy that like I really look forward to following for the next three four years depending on obviously how he de- like develops I say three years because like he's really talented so maybe he ends up leaving I don't know but right Right, with like an aerospace engineering degree. Yeah, exactly. Like, the way that Bronco Mendenhall talks about him is it just, like, makes my heart, like, feel good. (laughs) Like, he said he walked into the school and he can play 10 instruments and he's part of the, you know, he can sing. He enjoys taking these, like, physics classes and they have competitions on, like, building structural chairs out of cardboard to see which one can hold the most weight. Like, I just, like, when he talks about him, he talks about him already like a, like, proud dad. And those are the kind of people I think we see through basketball that, like, that type of fit seems like a good, like, he's going to work out Virginia. You know what I mean? And then on top of all of that, he's really good at football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it is, it is, there's sort of a, like a Malcolm Brogdon quality. Yeah. Of, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about analogizing it to the, to the basketball team, but I really do think that is, that's a very accurate way of putting it. That is as much sort of accolade as Malcolm Brogdon got for off the court, what he has done, what he can do and just sort of who he is as a person. I think Briggs comes yeah. in with a lot of that, that same sort of thing. I, I had, I've been thinking of him as, a Stanford kid that yeah. it, it, that was, a, you know, I, I, he's from Cincinnati. Um, he's the number one kid out of Ohio, isn't he? Right. He's definitely, I think he's almost certainly the number one defensive lineman out of, out of Ohio. Um, so, you know, talent wise, football talent wise, you would expect an Ohio state, a Notre Dame, a Michigan, yeah. one of those Midwest powers to be in play. Um, then you sort of take his academic profile into account and it's, you know, Notre Dame, Michigan, Stanford, like that kind of, yeah. uh, kind of school so to he and he kind of came out of the blue his his commitment there hadn't been a ton of UVA's in on this guy UVA's really pushing hard um that it it seemed like it was an immediate match Um, yeah he's a really special kid yeah and kind of set the culture of a locker room it seems like um that's one there was a really good article back sort of during Stanford's real heyday um, about how David Shaw recruited to a place like Stanford. Yeah. Said, the first thing he and his coaches looked for in a kid was vocabulary. That the way they talked, the way they expressed themselves and expressed their ideas was how they could tell a kid was going to fit in at Stanford and on the Stanford football team yeah. because they built that team by saying, come, come to a place where you're not the weird smart kid in the room come be yeah. with other weird smart kids who also happen to knock your head off playing football yeah and um, on top of all that it's in a position we desperately need exactly a great football player at i mean obviously exactly. we want great football players at every position but 
when we look at last season, one of the things that we absolutely needed was a defensive tackle. And I think, yep. I'm just, yeah. So I, I just, I mean, <laughs> you, you look at the, the film, the breaking, he, he went to the rivals Adidas uh, camp that's intended for all four and five star kids. Yeah. Um, and there's just this, set of drills that he's going against the number one center in the country the number two center in the country then the number one guard in the country then the number one tackle in the, and it's just he's abusing them uh, like there was there one kid the number uh, cardell thomas the number one offensive guard in the country who's going to lsu who's like six five three sixty i mean he's a, just a freak uh is the only guy that can hold his own against bricks and it's it's you know, you don't want to put too much on the kid. You don't want to put too much hype. But this, he is a game-changing defensive tackle that would be in the have a legitimate shot at being a freshman starter for almost any team in the country. Um, and now he's coming to a team that desperately needs defensive line, immediate defensive line help, and an aggressive attacking defense. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, that's why like, you could do an, we could do an entire podcast yeah. on the things I like about Juwan. And I'm excited that I've really enjoyed, I think a lot of this goes back just as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, but like each thing that you mentioned that is improving with the program, like regardless mm-hmm. of if you want to point out specific things that still need to be fixed, there's clear improvement. And I think this recruiting class is definitely something that shows exactly what Bronco Mendenhall is trying to do and I never had that feeling or at least maybe it wasn't explained as directly from Mike London but like or Al Groh like I know exactly what he's trying to do with these recruiting classes and that's like a really good feeling to see that stuff also fulfilled but this coaching staff I'm so excited I don't know if it's because like the Twitter presence is more a thing now or the coaching staff is a little younger not like trying to knock anybody But having him and Hubbard is the other one, right? Jaquay yeah. Hubbard. Yeah. Be able to learn from Vic Soto makes me more excited about both of these prospects yeah. because of the way that, that coach is excited about it. And the, the way that we've already seen guys, even guys with like raw talent develop under him in just three years. Like, yeah. I just think that's an added thing where it's like, having him on staff, I think is such a huge benefit to Virginia that I didn't expect from the get-go, I guess it's like, I thought, you know, here's this young guy that's a grad assistant. He's going to do a few things. And I think he's one of the biggest like bright spots, shining stars of this coaching staff. I don't know if that's just me or. No, I think it's accurate. And I, I, I I said yes on Hubbard before I I realized that uh, the other really highly rated defensive lineman is Ben Smiley. Oh, Ben Smiley. Yes. Not, sorry. No, no, no. no, Hubbard on the other side. Yeah, that's Hubbard is an offensive lineman. And so, but Smiley then segues into not only is the talent level increasing, you're getting top Virginia kids and top Virginia kids from Tide. Yes. Uh, That's, that's the, you know, I, I, uh, another thing we could do a whole podcast on is, is whether 757 recruiting is as important now as it was five years ago. Sure. Uh, I think there has been a more dramatic shift of talent into Northern Virginia, uh, just as that area has grown generally. But the the prestige there's still a prestige level yeah. seven five seven recruiting that um, fans are going to brag about it. The sure. recruiting services are going to talk about it more. 
Uh, and there is, I mean, there's still legitimate high level talent down there. Um, getting Ben Smiley, especially through all of the twists and turns of the sure. commitment and then deleting it 15 minutes later, <laughs> yeah. um, looking like Virginia's academics rigor, not, not the rigor, but the, the rules on admissions and what majors were available. And, and there was some sort yeah. of academic stuff in the background that is not saying that Smiley's not a smart kid that, that can't handle it. No, I got you. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the admissions, what he wanted to do, how it lined up with what his academic plan was, looked like it may have driven him away from Virginia. And now he's here and now he's signed. Um, and, and I think there's, um, it's an indication of the coaching staff having, being able to articulate a clear vision to have a kid hooked enough that he wants to stick through all that. That is a very easy thing for a 17, 18 year old kid to go, screw this. You know, I just, I don't need this stress. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's an indication of the administration being yeah. more lined up. Um, not that they are weakening standards, not that they are bending rules, not anything like that, but buying in and saying, being a, being willing to look at the big picture and go, okay, how do we, what is it that is available to us that can make this work? This yep. kid is that good. Um, so I, that's, that's why I like having, having Smiley. And again, adding playable immediate sure. line depth. Um, Talk to me. The so other, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no. So we're going to say the only other position that really, really needed that immediate injection is the offensive line. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. So this is where Jaquay Hubbard, Jaquay, comes yeah. in. you know, he's rated four stars by rivals. He's a very high three by, by 24 seven. Um, this is a kid. So the top two offensive linemen in this class, according to the 24 seven rankings are Hubbard and Al Sufi who signed today. They are Hubbard is six, six, three twenty. <laughs> Al Sufi is six, four, three fifty. And then the other, both of the other two offensive linemen are, are six, five and, and two seventy five plus. So, but the, the, if you say, you know, if you kind of expect maybe the top two guys will play, that is, that's not just power five. That's, that's NFL size. Yeah. Third you know, two offensive linemen that, you know, my, I said to somebody today, just put Hubbard and Al Sufi on the same side of the line and just run to glory behind. Yeah. Them. So, and, and we have got someone that seems really exciting coming in at running back. Right. Mike Hollins from Louisiana. Uh, I think 240 yards and four touchdowns in the Louisiana class seven, a state title game. That which, seems like, good. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, they play that game in the Superdome. Like it's, yeah. it's a, it's a big time game. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been the starting running back for a team that's gone 26 and Oh, the last two seasons and one back-to-back state titles. Like this, he's, he's a uber talented kid. He had an Alabama offer. Um, yeah, it's uh, he's he's one of the ones that you, you look at you look at his film you look at his stats you look yeah. at the level of competition you go how's that kid only a three star yeah um, you know so I, he's there's a temptation for every every fan every every beat writer who covers a specific team's recruiting to go oh the entire class is underrated oh the entire <laughs> class is a bunch yeah. of future first round picks like you know the, but Hollins is one that even non Virginia beat writers yeah. look at and go yeah this kid. Yeah, Virginia got a steal with this. Yeah, that you know how how he got out of Louisiana is it, they're kind of a quirk of SEC recruiting. A, a five Ed Orgeron's yelling at someone from, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, um, so yeah, I, like a press conference over here. Yeah, I could <laughs> I could do twenty minutes on each one of these kids. Yeah, uh, 
that there's there is something that each of them brings in a unique way to the program almost all of the top level talent is coming in at positions of need um and you know you've got two four-star linebackers who are coming in and um you know that's that's been the strength hunter stewart and nick jackson from from atlanta um both you know that's the strength of the defense that's what yeah. the, the defense runs through the linebackers yep. and now you've got two two more great ones coming in so i yeah i've it's almost hard to step back and put in put all of the big picture in context because each of the small pictures that makes up the big picture yeah. is, is so exciting do you i mean when you look at the entire plan how coach menhall's laid it out does it make sense to you? Do, you? do you like what he's doing? RJ Harvey is the new biscuit 2.0. Yep. He feels like he's finally getting that quarterback succession plan that he has in place. So when you look at this class, the last class, um, and you look forward, do you feel comfortable with where Virginia football is and where they look like they're going? Yeah, I do. I, th- there will be a reliance on s- offensive line play I think that that is the biggest sort of need to step up uh, yeah. in terms of where the position groups are that I think everybody else has either experienced talent already or young talent that showed out this year that still has another year or two or just stacked young talent, you know, a, a real, you know, you've got, you've got four or five freshmen, one of them's going to hit, you know, that, yeah. that kind of thing in the position groups. The offensive line is, you know, there have been young guys playing already. You've got Ryan Nelson, you've got Chris Glazer. Um, you know, it's, it's a, can that group continue to improve? Yeah. Um, adding guys with, with real power five size is, is going to help. Um, but a, you know, the, the, a good offensive line makes the rest of the offense click that, um, that's, that is the one big question mark to me right now. Cause it's, it's the one position group where the recruiting has not been quite as high as every other position group has had at least one guy who's at yeah. that, that talent level. And I'm talking about the, the, the offensive line recruiting has been a little bit shakier, right? Really Ryan Nelson and Jaquay Hubbard are the two that were really kind of at that level when they came in Yeah, everybody else is having to play up to that level. Um, so I think it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether there are transfers or graduate transfers that can help yeah. bridge that gap to those guys being, you know, in a, a ACC starting caliber. Um, it, okay. So when you look at each side of the ball and if you want to give a grade to special teams, um, but if you have to give, if you would give a grade for the offensive class coming in, the defense side of the ball coming in, and special teams, what grade do you give each? And then like an overall grade for the sure. for yeah, Krupmus 2018-2019. grades, Professor Wiley in the house. Um, so I, I mean, the defensive side gets just a solid A. Um, All right. You've got Briggs, you've got Smiley, you've got the two – uh hunter stewart and nick jackson um that are it, it, it is a top heavy on defense class um and then behind that top level um you know guys like antonio cleary fentrell cypress and deshaun perry those are the three guys that are between an 85 and an 86 um mm-hmm. that should still 
have a chance to be really, really good players. So that's, you know, uh, Clary is a safety from Florida, Cypress, a cornerback from South Carolina, and Deshaun Perry is another, <clears throat> excuse me, another outside linebacker. Um, and he's you know, a South Florida kid, played for Earl Sims, uh, UVA alum uh, at, at Gulliver Prep. Um, so that's the, it is a very top heavy class on defense. Mm -hmm. uh, I would give the offense of, offensive group in this class, a solid B. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, you know, there, there are more of the players that are the, Ooh, that kid could be a beast. Like yeah. that, the, you've got the, the Mike Hollins uh, at running back. There's a kid, Dorian Goddard uh, at wide receiver. That's yeah. 220. That's the, <laughs> so em the emphasis on getting big wide receivers um, was, was really clear in this class that the wide receivers they got go six foot three, six foot four and six foot five. Um, so, and, and then, then a guy like RJ Harvey that uh, he gets knocked for his size. He's maybe five ten. <laughs> um, <laughs> bigger but, or smaller than Kihei. <laughs> yeah. Well, they would, I, they would make a very good one, two punch at like, that's what blows my mind when you talk about five, nine, I'm like, that's not that short. And then I look at where Kihei is on the car on the court, but I'm like, that's eh, pretty short. For yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I really, I, there's, there's a chance that at some point in the next two years, we see an offensive backfield with the tallest player being like five foot eight. Um, <laughs> and if RJ Harvey's a quarterback, you've got a kid like Seneca Millage, who's five, six in this class. You've got Tavares Kelly and Chuck Davis and Billy Kitt. Like you could yeah. legitimately <laughs> have every eligible receiver under five, eight, um, <laughs> but that is sort of why I would give the offensive group a little bit of a lower grade. It's they've probably got a ceiling that's almost as high as this defensive group, but the yeah. floor is a lot lower. I think okay. is, is it, you know, if there are kids that play above their star rating, they could be real assets. If they, if they don't quite hit, if the recruiting ratings, recruiting services really got it right, then it's a little bit weaker. Um, yeah. And obviously as Virginia, as Virginia fans, we know, you know Bryce Hall was a two star. So right. like there's exactly. yeah, there right. guys that have, the class. Right. Absolutely. He, he was the la lowest rated player in his class. Yeah, which, um, it, like, and now we think about him going early to the NFL. So, you right. know, like, who knows? It, so, yes, we, everything, just as a disclaimer, take everything right. with a grain of salt, but upon first glance, these are, um, all right, and then there's a few additions, really just a kicker. Yeah. Right? And he's a preferred walk-on. Yeah, he's a preferred walk-on, so that means he's guaranteed a roster spot, uh, but he is, he could earn a scholarship if things shake out right. Um, well, big, and, big, big, big leg. And we, if things shake out right, as in he can make like consistently 40 right. yards. Yeah, just anything over 45. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah this, this, <laughs> I, I, I tweeted about this a little bit on, I think it was Tuesday night. It was the, the night before signing day. Justin posted his new like senior season highlight video. His, it is, this is a kicker. This is a kicker. I love it. This is a high school kicker <laughs> that has a section in his highlight video called hits and playmaking. And legit, <laughs> like he decleats some guys. There's one that is like, he knocks the guy's helmet off. Oh my There's, God. Like, three touchdown receptions. It's crazy. Um, hits so and playmaking I, that's why i need to have like a blog right. section called hits and playmaking i so i called the lester coleman pain train thing at the beginning yeah. of the season and unless it happens in the bowl game it's not gonna happen <laughs> i'll be very disappointed but i am now i gotta figure out uh the what the what the the moniker will be for justin dunkel the the hit machine coming Dunkle. up Dunkle, I'm Justin. I'm 
butchering your name. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm sure you're listening, but I'm, no, I'm I, trying to think of something where you can like dunkle on people, but that sounds weirder yeah. than when you say it out loud. Um, okay. Any parting crudeness thoughts before we move into basketball? Uh, watch, watch this space for transfer news over the next couple of months, uh, yeah. as these guys get on campus and, uh, as, as recruits across the country get on, get on campus and as spring ball starts to shake out, um, you know, th- there is usually some, some roster churn, uh, and we know that UVA is in the market for, uh, yeah. some spot help here and there. And also for the listeners, keep, keep in mind, this is only the second year that this has had this early signing period. So there Correct. is still a February signing day, Correct. it's officially national signing day. Um, the only ones that I think Virginia would be in play for if, is if one of the Euros um, gets all that stuff squared away, then they could sign, I think, February 5th is the date? Yeah, it's, uh, whenever the first Tuesday or Wednesday of February is. Yeah, <laughs> there's Luke Wentz from Germany, a, a dual-threat quarterback, uh, and then Jarrah Sachu, uh, who's the outside linebacker who's currently at FUMA. At so, okay. So those, those are the two guys outstanding. Fully expect them to sign by the early the, – by the official signing day cool. uh, and then you know not more than a player or two here or there um, would be sort of what to look for awesome well um let's change gears a little bit the first of the two virginia versus south carolina games <laughs> came up last night the Bilkskit bowl yeah <laughs> I like that as you, UVA. I came up with it during the game that I didn't tweet it because it's really stupid. I love it. I love it so much. Um, so yeah, UVA was on the road uh, last night or, you know, whatever, Wednesday night um, at South Carolina coming off a 10 day exam break, which always feels like the longest time in the world. Um, heading for a true road test against a team that was in the final four, just three, four seasons ago. Um, they won. Yay! So, uh, 69-52, the nicest win of the season. Um, huge game from Kyle and Ty, who combined, I think, for 43 points. Um, hit all eight of the three-pointers that the team made. Um, it was never particularly in doubt. South Carolina got close within one in the first half. Um, but really, that was kind of it. Obviously, there were some starters out for South Carolina. Um, but overall, I just think maybe one of the better defensive performances from the Hoos. They held them under um, one point per possession. Uh, I think it was 0.85 for the game. Uh, what were your takes on the game? I honestly can't believe it was a 17-point win. That it was like like it felt like more. Or felt like it was no, closer. It felt like way less. That it, like it. Not that it was ever really. I maybe I just kind of it kind of like kind of stopped paying attention during the run. That I was like, I would look up like, oh, Kyle hit a three. Woo! It kind of like go back to doing something else. Yeah. Um, that I because I had gotten very frustrated in the first half that it just it looked sloppy. It didn't look like Virginia basketball. It, it was trying to go inside against a defense, a team that has its strength in the interior, and then not defending real crisply on the other end and letting them jump passing lanes. And it was just, it was just gross for the first, you know, six, eight, 10 minutes of the game. Um, but then they just, I mean, they, they poured it on in the second half. I mean, that was yeah. unreal. Um, it, it showed, you know, when this, when, I think we talked about this last time I was on the, on the pod a couple of weeks ago that I, I had not seen them get mentally dialed in for a full game. I yeah. still haven't but they were mentally dialed in for a half and that's improvement. And when they were, they stretched a close game to a 20 point blowout. Like that's, yeah. 
got it. Okay, cool. That's what this team can do. Now go do it every game. Yeah, I think, too, what um, they had three turnovers in the first 345 Virginia did. And that's obviously not great, but then they had two more the rest of the game, including only one in the second half. Uh, okay, sorry, hold on. We need to go back. I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet. Um, I want to know how the school got in touch with Wakanda to send Kihei Clark there over exam break and get right? his wrist repaired because, holy shit, is his doctor the same as Daniel Jones's? How was he playing nine no days idea. after getting – so he had the Kihei timeline. So we're all like, what is Virginia going to do? starting point guard who's been very consistent and just like a steady force yep fractured wrist why do our team why do people on our team have wrists anymore why haven't we eliminated them just like the appendices like okay this is a consistent problem anyway he gets wrist surgery for his fractured left wrist um they had the stitches taken out monday he was cleared for practice on tuesday and he played in the game on wednesday night and came in at the 1633 mark of the game, played 24 minutes, promptly scored a like circus shot bucket when he came in, um, had two assists and no turnovers. Um, it's the no turnovers that's really the mind boggling. Like, I yeah. mean, admittedly for me, I can't dribble a basketball very well with both hands unencumbered. <laughs> yeah, like, very true. <laughs> even if, like a Division One basketball player, almost literally playing with a hand tied behind his back as a yeah. point guard against an aggressive turnover you know a, a defense that's predicated on turnovers zero turnovers in 20 plus minutes that's it's incredible that, like that's that's incredible for a healthy freshman against yeah. against South Carolina and then you you know this kid that's you know maybe still groggy from anesthesia and is still <laughs> able to like play at this level it's it's nuts you know I I stub my toe and it takes me two weeks to get back into the right pair of shoes like I know, it, right? you know this kid <laughs> I burned my I, hand this morning making eggs. And I'm like, ooh, ow. Uh, yeah, gonna have to work from home today. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I, I. You're right. It's it, and it was it was so remarkable that it almost slipped my mind that it's yeah. like, oh yeah, well Kihei's in the lineup because Kihei's always in the lineup. Yeah. He literally didn't miss a game. That's <laughs> that's what's crazy because before the game, I was thinking, okay, this will be a good test to see how. And, and the thing to me isn't that – and honestly, the, the commentators were talking about last night, which I thought was a good point. Ty is an extremely capable and adept point guard. Like, it's not at all a, a matter of, like, oh, my gosh, we have no one to bring the ball up and whatever else. Like, he's very good at that. What we've talked about before is how Kihei allows guys like Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy to make defense miserable by sprinting around everywhere. Yep. and moving off ball and getting open for three-pointers and hitting shots. Like, that's great. And now seeing that, it's at least a little bit comfortable that heading into ACC play in a few weeks, there's only two more non-con games, that Virginia still has that. Like, we still have that option, even if it's, even if it's not as, you know, same level as it was before. So, Kihei Clark's back. That's great. That's really good. Happy to see that, obviously. Um, are you worried about DeAndre? Yes. Talk me through this because I'm not yet too worried. The kid has had like two tough games. Yeah, I mean, that's the had... focal point, one of which was VCU, which has one of the top 15 best defenses in the country. Right. Talk me onto your ledge. Uh, 
I am. I, it's not that I am worried that DeAndre Hunter has forgotten how to play basketball. It's not that. I, I am not expecting him to like. Oh no, Mr. Build through the rest of the season. I like. I yeah. Am I leg- like worried about how long his slump is going to last? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's you know. Uh, offensive rating under a hundred by Ken Palm for the last two games. He fouled out of a game for the what second time ever um, against, against VCU uh, whether it was justified or not, like the officiating was terrible in that game, but still a potential lottery pick kind of got himself taken out of the game by cruddy officiating in an off offensive night. Sure. Like, that's not really incur- Yeah, when, when a lot of my previous optimism about this season is if this team needs a bucket, they can give it to DeAndre and he can go get it. That like that we're going to fix the offense by doing that. And then all of a sudden, Ooh, that's not as, that's not as certain of a, a thing anymore. Um, and, you know, especially college basketball players, they can get in their own head. They, they, it's one of those two things. It's either they're young enough that they get rattled easily, or they're young enough that they forget <laughs> to get rattled. Um, so I, you know, yeah, yes, I am, I am worried. I am not petrified. I am not at a point that I, I think all is lost. Um, but the other thing is it's not easily diagnosable. It's not like, oh, it's, there was, there was a point, I, I can't remember if it was Justin or Kyle, that it was like their jump shot all of a sudden disappeared for like three games and yeah. Like, oh yeah, their legs kicking out. Like it's an obvious physical kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tony can see it. I'm sure the Noah's art thing in the gym can probably <laughs> see it, but it's just, it's not immediately obvious. It's just like, he's not, he just looks kind of hesitant on his jumper and he looks, doesn't like he's not going up as strong. And that's not, I'm not like trying to throw down the gauntlet and challenge. The man <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like, yeah you know, whatever's going on with him, he just looks a little bit more tentative. Um, For me, I think why I'm not yet freaking out or whatever. So some people automatically, what I, what drives me nuts is people automatically jump to some sort of hidden illness or whatever. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe he has tweaked something or whatever. Like I don't have any inside info. Tony doesn't share that with the local media. um, Unless they have to, like a surgery's involved. But to me, they're two different things that, or the two games look different as to what his, against VCU, I thought he was very, he deferred a lot. He didn't challenge a guy one, and when he did, he like could get to the rim and he got fouled a ton in that game, mm-hmm. which prevented him from making those layups or those shots near the rim that he was attempting to get. So I wasn't as worried about that because those shots were altered clearly by being fouled and they'd like rim out or whatever. And then he'd make the free throws and that's fine. His shot was definitely off at Carol at South Carolina. Like there was one really bad three pointer where he was like, why don't maybe he was like too open. And he's just like, I'm not shooting well and I'm really open. I got to hit this. Yeah. Um, I just have a little issue. Like, I don't know. It's the same thing. Like I think people, I understand why our fans get a little stressed sometimes why I, I maybe it's a weird position i'm in because you know running a few twitter accounts including like i in, engage with a lot of other fan bases now that i haven't previously mm-hmm. and i wish that i had I and mean, i won't speak for other fans but i wish that i had some of the team self-confidence that like texas tech shows and that 
NC State shows and that Duke show and these teams that are like every single every single game they find like they point out the good stuff. There is stuff to work on, but we like Virginia goes on the road, beats a Power Five team. Granted, like South Carolina is not what they were, but this is a team that gave Michigan a run for their money. Like yeah. Michigan struggled with this team for a very long time, and this team scored over one point per one point per possession against a very good Michigan defense. So Virginia handled them. Again, I didn't think there was any time where I was like, oh, I'm stressed. Um, and a lot of it's like, I'm, sa- I'm like, why isn't the rotation bigger? Why isn't the – why aren't we seeing more Jay Huff? Like, and I get those – I do understand those comments. And I, I think that, you know, we'll see. We do need a little bit deeper of a rotation. We saw a little bit of Marco Anthony. Um, but I'm not yet to the point of, like, freaking out or questioning Coach Bennett on it. I don't know. I just have a really hard – like – People don't trust regular season Virginia anymore, and I get that, but now it's also our fans that we can't yeah. even seem to appreciate or – like, Kyle and Ty were amazing. Why is anyone saying – like, I don't know. Maybe – like, Jay Huff is a sophomore. Yeah. <laughs> this is oh, his second year. He has 10 games into his second season of college basketball. And everyone has – I've seen, like, I guess Huff will never develop into what he thought he was – what we thought he was. And I'm like, it's season two. <laughs> Like, yeah. everyone calm down for a hot second. Hunter is also 10 games into his second season. Yeah, and like the, big men and, like, those types of players develop very yeah, differently. I know. Like, DeAndre is bigger than most of the people he goes against. Like, Jay Huff needs to eat three hamburgers every hour to, like, maintain <laughs> his weight. And even then, that's not, like... Right, the, like, the know. crazy Michael Phelps, like, 24,000 calories a day. Yeah, exactly. I don't mean, yeah. like... I do understand that this team has not yet reached its potential and that doesn't scare me. That makes me excited. Like, yeah, this isn't something where I'm like, they haven't reached their potential yet. What are they going to put together? Cause I agree with you. This team needs to get their stuff together for a whole game. Cause I, I 100% agree that like we've seen now, I think that was the second half was one of their better halves of the season against non 300 plus Ken Palm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right against the non-coppin states of the world. Um, no, I I I completely understand what you're saying, and and I think for the most part I agree with it. Of the like, this team has only played this well, and we have seen them play so much better before that it is obviously only a matter of time till they put it all together, and once they do, it's going to be fantastic. The only the there is a little bit more nagging doubt on the presumption that they will that their that they that their previous perform previous year's performance of making it all click once they hit the ACC that that'll happen there is a there is a non-zero chance that this is what it looks like when this that this is what them clicking looks like this year sure and being able to beat South Carolina by 17 <laughs> on the road should still mean you're a top I don't know, four seed in the ACC. Um, it just means maybe you're not ACC champs and maybe you're not a one seed in the big dance. And, sure. you know, it's, so there's a, like, and that's yeah, not it, even a bad thing. And that's why I need to keep reminding myself because when you say that, I'm like, well, well of course we're going to do those things, but like, that's where we're at. Like, yeah. where it's like, no, we it, expect it, that it, every it, year. We should expect it every year. Um, what I'm saying is like being a force, a top four seed, like you had a really good season you know what I mean like and now I've 
co- like convinced myself that if we're not a one, we've like failed somehow. And obviously everyone wants to be those things. Yeah. That's what the goal is. Like you want to have the best season, obviously. Right. But like, my goodness, I was thinking about yesterday. They, they have 11 straight true road wins. Like it's crazy. That's it's crazy. bonkers. <laughs> like, yeah. And even when you look at in Coach Bennett will play at, like, we played the Seagull Center last year at VCU. They played at JMU before. But these road games we're talking about, like, outside of, maybe, like, Georgia Tech. Sorry, Georgia Tech. Um, they've played at Duke, Maryland. At Louisville. At Louisville. Like, they're – Remember that Louisville game? That Louisville game was fun. <laughs> oh, man. And that's the thing. I do think there is so much more that Hunter can do. And I think that's why, and I understand, and there are times where I've been frustrated with him. Um, and that's why I think we get frustrated is knowing that his ceiling is so high and he's so talented and he's so good um, that we want to see him be more aggressive and we want to see him hit every shot. And so I do think that that's going to happen. Not hit every shot probably, but, you know, it's possible. Um, but, I mean, Diakite had a great game last night. Yeah, and- I, was, I was very pleased with the, how Diakite played in stretches um yeah I feel, like, I feel like he's the if he puts it all together it's it's a completely different ball game mm-hmm. uh, literally a completely yeah different <laughs> not to know, play that, baseball if he puts it all together <laughs> right yeah I mean, it's yeah um right now he's playing baseball if he puts it all together they'll be right, playing yeah, basketball if, he, for if, sure. starts, if he puts down a lacrosse stick and starts playing basketball <laughs> really good what happened uh, that sent him off the rails though not off the rails but when those stretches when he ran into trouble was when he got into foul trouble and he got called yeah. for some fouls that I agree with him weren't fouls. Um, he let that get too. And I think he got too emotional at that point. Yeah. And if like, I, you know, amateur armchair psychiatry on Deandre, like that seems like kind of what's happened the last couple of games is that he got, you know, tagged with some really bad fouls. Yeah. And fouled out of that BCU game. And then there were a couple of calls that went against him. And I remember, like, I, there was one call in particular that was, in his defense, utter bullshit. Yeah. But in the next, like, 15 seconds between the whistle blowing and the guy taking the first free throw, I could read DeAndre saying the word bullshit at yeah. least five times. Yeah. It, it was, and the it, guys it went like, over and, like, put yeah, their hands it was, it back was, and they're like, it's okay, dude. Head, yeah. Geez, and, it, you know, you, you kind of can't blame a 19-year-old kid for getting upset at a bad foul call. I'm 31, and I get upset at bad foul <laughs> I'm not in the building. Um, but Especially is, if you're already struggling. Right, like, especially exactly. if you're frustrated with where you are. Right. If you feel like officiating took you out of your game the yeah. game before, then there's like a, God, they're doing it again. Like, it can yeah. kind of self-reinforce. So, you know, Tony is a master at, at – understanding his guys understanding what makes him yeah. tick. So i have i have a lot of confidence that they'll get this sorted out um you know deandre's had these kind of spells toward the end of last season he had two games under 100 for an offensive rating in a row um, yeah. that then led to that you know his performance in the, the acc tournament that he scored you know double digits almost every game game was close to you know like 80 percent from the field like yeah um so it, you know it, it's it, is he where you get to see him? Like, you know, is, is he a streaky player? Is it a, this is a weird blip on yeah. route to a, you know, Naismith award candidate season. Like, you know, these right. Um, what I did like to continue to see is these wrinkles because what he did do outstanding was he had a couple really good finds for assists 
get a couple really nice passes. Like he still made an impact on the game despite like his own struggles shooting the pass that he had to Jack for the dunk. I saw if you have a moment and you haven't seen it yet, check out the Virginia sports TV baseline footage of it because you can't see Hunter. Like I have absolutely no clue. It was impressive in the game and there were several opportunities in which both him and Ty had really nice extra passes to big men for easy dunks or almost dunks that led to like one free throw for Jack. Um, one made free throw, I should say. <laughs> hey, two for four last night. What up? Um, raising his season average. <laughs> raising his season average. Good for Jack. Um, actually, Jack had a really good game too. But, um, but that stuff, like the offense continues to have these little wrinkles and little things that I really like that they're doing. Um, it's not just the straight like blocker mover that gets everyone angry and riled up. And I've said this forever and ever or before the season started that Jerome was going to be the guy or like what, and I still think that's the case. Like DeAndre is going to be the superstar, but Ty has been like, yeah, if you need a bucket, he had 13 straight points at one point like he's, in the first half. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got that motor. That's just, um, when it, when it flips on, it hits a level that no, I, that frankly, I, I think, Ty's got a, a side to him that I don't yes. think he necessarily has yet. Yes. That is 100% um, accurate. This New York, you know, it, it's, you can tell it's from grown up playing prep ball around New York city. And everybody thought, Oh, look at this slow little white, this slow yeah. white kid can't do crap. Like, and he's just like, all right, I'll show you. Like there's yeah. this, you know, the way when he dri- even just dribbling up the court, like bringing it up himself, like, Every single thing about his game is just swaggy. Like he wears the brightest shoes, but not like, and it's not, I don't know. I, I, he's fantastic. I love watching him play. I will be devastated if he leaves early. Yeah. Um, And there's a possibility because he's now popping up in first round round pick. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Ty, tone it down just a little bit, dude. Um, (laughs) I just, because I think he's just so, and he reminds me, I was just thinking about it. I was like, who does, what is a good comparison? So like in for football this last season, Joe Reed to me always looked like, ooh, this one will be – I'll do the Joe Reed one first, but actually talking to you, Paul, like you'll more understand the Zed Williams one. But <laughs> <laughs> he reminds me – so when he plays, it looks – and I don't mean this as like – it looks like he's not trying, but like everything seems like effortless. And then yeah. you, you look at him at first, and like you said, like a lot of people were like, he's not fast enough to be the point guard. He doesn't have enough like athleticism and like all this stuff. And then you actually look at like what's happening and you're like, holy shit, this guy's like better than everybody. Like, yeah. how does this? And Joe Reed to me was like, there were times where I was like, is he going to run faster? <laughs> and then you realize that he's smoking everybody. And yeah. like, he's just in, that's how Zed was for me playing lacrosse where you look at him and he galloped. Like Zed was like an antelope out there, graceful as hell. And all of a sudden he's just like destroying people. And you're like, this, well, and, that's and what actually, reminds me the, the Zed comparison is, all, is almost perfect because he, he could go from, it looked like just standing there looking at things to all of a sudden putting the ball in the back that he had such yes. a quick shot. And Ty's got a lot of the same thing that he's because he his pri- primarily or predominantly a set kind of a set shot or just kind of a low jump um, that it, it means he can pull the trigger, go from standing to shooting in yeah. a way that he doesn't have as much wind up. And I think it's, it's the same sort of thing of like, you know, it's, it, 
that's why Ty can kind of surprise you with something like yeah. 13, 14 points in a row is because, wait, I kind of forgot he was in the game. Like, you yeah. just, he kind of fades into the background until you look at a, a you know, box. Yeah, he had 25 points and just was like, you know, nine, nine for 15. Like, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> for four from the free throw line, six rebounds, seven assists, two turnovers in 36 minutes. Like that, I just I every single time I'm like this, every everything he does I'm just like this is incredible. Like how is this? I, I just and he his passing was crisp. He hit Ty or Kyle in the corner when he got fouled, and the reason they were able to get like he sees the mis- mismatches. It's all the his basketball IQ is like off the charts. Like he just sees stuff. He's a smart player and he sees it. And he knows it's happening and is able to make stuff happen. I just, oh. Anyway, so there are two games left in the non-conference. Yep. William & Mary on Saturday. And then actually a pretty intriguing, intriguing final game. game. Yeah. Most intriguing game. Maryland did so against Marshall. Marshall is one of the fastest teams in the country. They've got um, one of the most dynamic offensive players. <clears throat> Excuse me. And – that game should just be one of those ones that people love to talk about, like Clash of Styles, like all that stuff. Like that's like the stereotypical, yeah. you know, what they're looking for there. Now, make no um, mistake, it, it, it's a game that terrifies me. Yeah, uh, John Elmore is the one I'm thinking of who's going to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and they run a very unique offense that they run almost, you know, a five out. It's a very pro. Now it is a very pro style offense that it's very analytics heavy. They're going to shoot corner threes and layups and that's it. Um, yeah and it, they're they're good at it that um you know d'antoni's got that got that program humming playing the way he wants them to play uh you know they're only seven and four this year they've had a couple of weird losses to to ohio and to, the maryland one really surprised me honestly yeah, that's where they, they did get their doors blown off yeah against maryland but um so we'll i mean it's you know something to keep an eye on is they, they play texas a&m uh on saturday as well so it's sort of a you know both teams will come in you know having roughly the same amount of, amount of rest and just be yep. who's who's got the style who's got the game plan yeah so that one will be december 31st so close out 2018 with marshall um and then man we hit the road right into it at uh, welcome florida state um which will be extremely tough Nine foot yeah point guards they're rotating um and then so like four six seven guys and one seven foot four guy um yeah it's it's hard to there i understand the you know they haven't played a real marquee game that wisconsin win i think is going to hold up really well over the course of the season the maryland win will hold up really well over the course of the season should they're right outside the top 25 right now in ken bomb but there isn't the like huge marquee like last year there was the west virginia game in the non-con but we'll have those opportunities in acc play so I mean, when your team's ten and zero, it's really too hard to complain, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, undefeated teams. Anything's kind of nitpicking because, like, they've got bona fide stars and Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, and DeAndre Hunter. Um, Mamadi has shown steps. I think Jack is having by far his best season. He's been so more consistent yeah, yeah, than yeah, the last couple. He's just been – he had nine rebounds last night. He was outmanning people. And he's played really tough defense on three really good big men so yeah, far. This and, and more athletic big men than he's matched up well. With yeah. Um, 
So I think, you know, we've still got a couple games left in non-con, but the knock on wood, things go right. It should be 12-0 heading into that first um, ACC home opener and can't really complain too much about that. Um, ACC is looking tough, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, got the one win against South Carolina. Got the bowl game coming up in a in a. I will take a 17-point win against South Carolina again. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so, yeah, we'll – come back and talk to you guys next week after the holidays um and preview belt bowl we'll talk all about it what to do in charlotte who the who's are facing off against on the on the gridiron and uh behalf of paul and myself wahoo wah, have a good night iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. 